This is Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. Brought to you by Whistler Bungie. I think they're hilarious, so I don't want to say I want to go to the box, but uh, you know, maybe there'll be a confrontation there that's pretty funny. I like you, but you've gone too far. Show a little class. If the glass wasn't there, would you do it? I don't think so. We get some chuckles on the bench when we look over and we see them, uh, you know, upside down on the glass. They're pretty comedic and, and uh, it's pretty funny. We simply have had enough of looking at the rear ends and their crotches. They've been more than a pain in the neck to almost every team that has played here. Smarten up. You look like jerks. They're good guys. Don't be mean. Be green. Son of a bitch. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Green Men Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan with you for the next couple of hours. Another jammed, packed show awaits, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, we got a couple more fantastic guests coming on the air. Former Canucks, but they did a lot more than that. They journeyed. They got some great stories from a bunch of different markets. Uh, We got the one and only Andrew Castles coming on, followed by former Canuck first-rounder, Sean and Toski, ladies and gentlemen. Very I, excited. I am so pumped. If you are joining us for the first time ever tonight on Green Man Radio, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, sportsnet.ca slash 650, or live right now on Sportsnet, this is what it is. It is Green Man Radio. If you're wondering what that means, well, it's Sully and Force. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. We are the two idiots who used to wear green spandex by the penalty box of Canuck games antagonizing opponents. And then we decided to hang up the spandex and become green, green man, green, yeah. ma- green men in our own rights, <laughs> green men, green men. And we now have our own radio show. And every single week, we kind of just uh, go over the headlines of the week. We look back at some green men memories. And then we also chat with a couple of former players. Sometimes there are players that were in the penalty box with us. A lot of times it's former Canucks. And this week, as you just alluded to, Andrew Castles and Sean Antosky, I cannot wait. These guys are beauties. I told a lot of friends over the last week that I was going to be t- chatting with Sean Antosky, and they kind of blank stared me. It was yeah. weird. Well, you should get rid of those friends. Yeah. How, you cannot be a Canuck fan and not know the lore of Sean Antosky. I will throw out the reminder, though, that I am significantly younger than you. Significantly. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> By two years. And no, I don't even think it's that <laughs> total. But yeah, so a lot of my friends, because he was an integral part of that fourth line in the 94 run while I was mm. in kindergarten. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, when you look back at that that draft that he was in the early 90s, um, a lot of people go like, oh, the Canucks had Peter Nedved. Um, but they, you know, and it was a stacked, stacked draft. And of course, we'll get into this with Sean. Um, so when you look back and you see, oh, Sean was a first rounder for the Canucks out of this draft and the numbers he put up and whatnot, you're like, how did, how did this guy go first round? But he wasn't like he was a role player. He was a big, tough guy. And nowadays, a big, tough guy is going to go you know, what, fourth, fifth, sixth round sort of thing. They're not coveted. But back in the day, if you could find a tough guy that could play, oh, you're sitting pretty. I just found an article on the Bleacher Report while doing some investigative journalism. That's what we do here on this show. <laughs> on Sean Antosky, and he was listed as one of the top 100 toughest guys in the NHL all time. Yeah, the guy, the guy's fists were cinder blocks. It was ridiculous. I remember watching a few of his scraps at the Coliseum. I was very young, but I'm probably dating myself here. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, he could do some damage. The guy was, like I said, he was throwing absolute hammers, and uh, he was he was pretty awesome to watch. Now, uh, that will be coming up at 8 o'clock. At 7.30, we're going to chat with Andrew Castles, and I'll, I'll, I'll tease it right now in our final segment. At 8.30 tonight, we have the Yuck Yucks airing of grievances, and it's an all-timer. 
Yes. I've been telling this story for the last week and people, <laughs> I, I need to write a screenplay because this needs to be made into a movie. It's, that's all, that's all I'll allude to. It is, you had to tell me twice because I didn't believe it the first time I heard it. it it's uh, pretty unbelievable. And, 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 and you know, it, it happened here at the workplace and, you know, talking with everyone else, all of our other colleagues here, pe- people are, are stunned. There's more plots and twists to this story than an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if there's that many twists. Oh, it was... Uh, so, yeah. That, yeah that, that, there's quite a few twists. There's quite a few tis, uh, twists. So, that's uh, the Yucky Yucks Area of Grievances. That's coming up 8.30. Uh, as for right now, I want to get into your weekend because it, it was a Super Bowl weekend. I know you're a massive football guy. I mean, it's hockey is number one, clearly, but football right behind it at number two. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's it another tough year for me as a, as a Chargers fan, but... You know, we'll we'll air those grievances another time. I've been doing it for the last you know five or six months, but uh, you know, it it was it, it went according to plan. I mean, I knew that the Chiefs would come out, they would they would storm the gates. You know, it was a bit of a slow start to the game, but I knew Jimmy Garoppolo would choke, and and he did just that. And Kyle Shanahan, as much as I think that he's a great coach, he's now given up 34, 30, 35 points in leads. In two Super Bowls. That's not good. So obviously they're hungry to get back, but I don't know if these Niners will get back because I think the Seahawks are going to be a lot stronger next year. I was kind of hoping you would get a little bit into the fact that you, because you were uh, you were quite annoyed yesterday that uh, you are oh. financially uh, not as well off as you are. Okay, you know on, what? On yeah, I, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to poke the bear. This yeah. is ridiculous. The NFL <laughs> needs to grow a spine here and change this up. Just stop giving the MVP trophy to a quarterback. I know it's the easy out, the easy thing to do. Give it to the winning QB, and that's all fine and nice. And, you know, more often than not, you're going to have a nice photo with Tom Brady at the end of it. Those days are over, mind you. And maybe they just wanted the photo with Patrick Mahomes because that's going to sell newspapers. But Damian Williams should have won that MVP trophy. Mahomes throws two picks, and he's the most valuable player in the game. He almost gave up the game. And why are you that upset about it? Because I put money down on Damian Williams, who's going off at 19-1. to And right when time expired, I'm like, this is a lock. This is a lock. I'm padding the bank account. This is nice. I'm going to go brag to my wife. She won, by the way. She won uh, the first quarter of Super Bowl squares. squares. So she Anybody actually can won, win. the loan bet that she put down this year, and you know I got torched on mine. So there ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, every single year, my buddies and I. There's about uh, thirty of us that watch the game, but maybe like a handful of us that golf. So t- this year was only four. And no matter what the weather, we golf at Northview Golf Course and then watch the Super Bowl in the the clubhouse after. And I, I decided to throw a little wrinkle into the Northview golfing this year. Because we don't get a lot of birdies because we suck at golf. So I got, as a belated Christmas present for some of my buddies, flasks that say birdie juice on it. Ooh. And then I got their last name initialed on the back. And then I filled it with scotch. So anytime you get a birdie, everyone in the group has to do a swig of scotch. You bought your friend's flasks? Yeah. With their initials in the flask? Are you? Yeah, on the, on the outside, yeah. Are you upset you didn't get one? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is it? <laughs> you know why? Because you don't golf anymore. You Do don't, we have you don't to go to through anything calls. more in our friendship? We so, were spandex around North America, and these guys are getting flasks. So it was minus one, toques on, birdie, boom. We were nice and warm. It was awesome. So there you go. That was my that, Super Bowl Sunday. That is pretty sweet, actually. Uh, I want to get into our... We have some great sponsors on this show. We can't thank them enough. We have Burrard Physio, Yuck Yucks Vancouver's been great. Pastime Sports and Games, legends down there. We have a new sponsor on board, and I cannot be more pumped because I will be taking full advantage of this one. Ryan, why don't you do the honors? Absolutely. It is an absolute thrill to get uh, working with these guys again. 
Uh, we, we've done it a bunch through the past, and, and, and we did like, you know, it, it had a great run, and then, of course, you know, things ended as they did, but the Ice Bucket Challenge was a huge thing, uh, raising money for ALS, and these guys were fantastic with us. We did a bungee jump off the bridge in the green suits. Whistler Bungee, ladies and gentlemen, is on board. We are stoked to have him. Uh, Matt running the show over there, fantastic guy. It's a great setup. And next time you're heading up to the area, they're open all year round. It's picturesque, it's beautiful, and it is one hell of an experience. I'm so happy we have them on board because, like, I've been pumping their tires for years. The second I did a bungee jump, I was terrified. And then as soon as I did one, I'm all in. And I tell everyone, like, that. It, the best way to conquer your fears of heights is to do a bungee jump. It is so much fun. Uh, they give you the option of jumping forward or backwards. Both are equally terrifying, but... Man, it's such a cool experience, and it's yeah. so different. We've done it in the winter when it's snowing. We've done it in the summer when it's beautiful out. Either way, uh, I can't wait to do that, and we will definitely be taking advantage of that sponsorship. Absolutely, we will. So some bungee jumps coming up. Uh, let's get into the headlines, though, because people are here to talk hockey, and that's what we got to do because it's going to be a crazy, crazy couple of weeks here in Vancouver because it is about to become the Sedine Week, the Legacy Week, the Retirement Week, and it all starts off on Monday the Canucks, uh, they are playing Nashville. It is Legends Night, and they have, they're going to honor Stan Smeal, Trevor Linden, Pavel Bure, and Marcus Naslin. All their jerseys have been retired. They'll be honored before this game. And then on Wednesday against Chicago, it's Henrik and Daniel's jersey retirement. So let's let's get into the legacy part of it first. Smeal, Linden, Bure, Naslin, they will be honored. No Pavel Bure. He said he can't make it because he's over in Russia. And then Trevor Linden finally returning to Rogers Arena. So... Did they put this rift to bed between him and the Aquilinis? Well, I mean, it's it's all conjecture. We don't know what's going on there. Maybe maybe Trevor just said, you know what? I want to take some time with the family and, and go venture around the world. Go, I don't know, go, go travel to Japan or something. It's a good time over there, I'm telling you. But we don't know what happened. So the fact that he is coming back, though, is great news. It's an all-around feel-good thing. Trevor Linden, in my mind, in, embodies the heart of this team, and he always, always will. And And, and I am happy to see that he's back. Um, for more than for more than one reason, I'm actually I'm happy, I'm happy to see that he's out of the role that he was in for more than one reason. Not to say that that he did a bad job; he did a great job. But you want you don't want to be in that role for when things change and the team goes downhill. Obviously, it's the opposite. The team was on the rise. However, I look back at one of my favorite goalies of all time, Ron Hextall. Is he allowed back into Philadelphia now? I don't know. He was a legend over there, and then he got fired by the team. So. You get out before the going gets rough. And I, I think that was a good move. And I'm so happy that perhaps this rift, if there ever was one, is put to bed and he's going to be back in Rogers Arena where he belongs. Yeah, I I think there definitely was a rift. I mean, the I don't know if you heard like his excuse for not coming to the Alex Burroughs Ring of Honor ceremony was that he wanted to put his kid to bed. Well, I, I'm a dad now. I get it. I race home from work. I want to put my kid to bed. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying if you're like, I don't, what would be the equivalent uh, <laughs> of of being for uh, like a ring of Alex Burroughs? Yeah. Retirement? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. If I if I was getting married, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, I'm sorry, I have to put Baby Mac to bed. Well, let me ask you: at this wedding, do I get a flask with my initials on it? Nope. I already gave those out. <laughs> well, I'm going home to put the kid to bed. <laughs> uh, it, it was really cool to see that this maybe beef has been put behind them. And I think you're right that it was good that they did a little like trial separation and they kind of did their own thing for a couple of years. And Lyndon stayed out of the spotlight. He hasn't really done many interviews, none really at all. And I think it'll be uh, the experience we saw with Todd Bertuzzi at the beginning of this season, we stepped onto the ice in a Canuck jersey again. I think it will maybe rival that because yeah. we've had time to kind of 
separate the the bad times that Trevor Linden and the and management group went through. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Pavel Bure one, though? Because he is taking some grief for it. Um, again, there's a, an excuse I'm not really buying. He put out a kind of a half-assed statement through the team. Yeah, well, at the same time, he, he if he shows up at some point this year, I'm happy and all is forgiven. Did Bure cross... He didn't play with the Sedins. He was years before the Sedins in a Canuck jersey. So I get it with Linden being there. I get it with Nasland. I mean, Smeal is just, you know, he's an ambassador for the team. He's at everything. Um, but Pavel Bure doesn't really have a connection aside from being one of the other, you know, fellow best Canucks of all time to the Sedins. So, so I'm okay with this. If he misses this one, you know, obviously we'd love to have him, but if he misses, I'm going to give him a get out of jail free card. Um, however, if he does not show up at all this season, he isn't, that's a do not pass go. Okay. He isn't. That's, there oh, is, that's, that's official. Yeah. He's not, there's nothing else coming oh, up. Oh, I thought you were just saying for this week. No, like he's, yeah. There's not. There's no other events coming up that he would. Well, then I would like to see him Skype in and a video message. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what? I I will give him a pass. We'll we'll have to revisit this on the next episode to see if he did like at least there, you tape know, a message. Do you remember at the uh, Naslin retirement night and Bertuzzi on the big screen? He had the unopened beer. He said, "You know, cheers, bud. This one's for you." Um, and you know, and and the crowd went wild. It was an on-screen message, but it was fantastic. If he pulled something like that off, I'd be all right with that. All I right. get it. You know. You know, Burry played in the 90s. The money wasn't the same then, okay? He, so I don't know if he's got the air miles to make it over from Moscow these days. His brother, Valerie, owns like a wine <laughs> empire. He's fine. And he's got that full house money from Candace Cameron. He does Cameron. have the full house money. He's cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, of the, that list, though, Smeal, Linden, Burry, Naslin, Burry is kind of like the question mark. It's like, should he have been the retired jersey? Like, he wasn't really, he never it really embraced oh, Vancouver. So. Yeah? He didn't embrace Vancouver. He was an amazing player. He's the best. Yeah skill player of those four. I think that, I think that, I mean, we talk about the conjecture here with, you know, with Linden and Aquilini. Did this happen? There's a lot of that with Burray too. I don't know if, if Burray said, I mean, he did ask for a trade, but was that because he got sick of Vancouver? Was that because he got sick of management and whatnot? Or was it because a new captain came in that wanted to run the show a different way? I, or, or even a new coach. Maybe he didn't, he butted heads with Keenan. Um, so I, I don't think that it was a slight on Vancouver. I think it was just a situation that he didn't want to be a part of. And I, and I can respect that. All right. A few more minutes, uh, in segment number one of Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650, Adam Forsyth and Ryan Selvin. Hit us up on our Twitter too. If you have any questions for us throughout the show, we'll get them on air at the Green Men, at Adam Forsyth and at Sulla Vancouver. Let's shift to the Sedins. We have a few more minutes and when I say Henrik and Daniel Sedin, what's like the first memory, a game memory or something that jumps in your head? I think back to two kids in Jofa helmets um, that, uh, you know, the city just did not fall in love with right away. And it's it is amazing, the transformation, you know, from the start of their career to how they finish things up. I mean, they are so beloved by this city. And, you know, the, the donations to charity... Uh, you know, doing everything, partaking in everything in the community. You know, they really ingrained themselves as part of Vancouver. And when they first came here, even though we were all high on them, because, you know, they went first and second, or sorry, second and third overall. Don't, you don't do no, Patrick no. Stefan dirty like I, that. I know, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, at, at the start, even the first few years in, people were like, did we actually just give up a second and third rounder for these guys? People were on the fence. So I always remember those kids that, you know, they were kind of like the, the unwanted uh, twins, and then they, you know, somehow something clicked and this city just absolutely fell in love. And the Art Ross trophies, I mean, come on. How can you go wrong with that? There was a t-shirt I remember at the team store 
and it was like back to back, and there was like the red beards going on with the and with the MVP, and oh man, I wish I got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I think about it every night. Have you, you hit up eBay, don't you? You're a big eBay like jersey guy. You, no, I am. I absolutely am. But you can't find that. That's never coming back. And you know what? It was the perfect, perfect blend as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not too much cotton, little poly in there, and I also felt some rayon in the fabric. Ray- That's not healthy for you, buddy. Well, it's worth it's worth <laughs> it for the fit. Be that as it may. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many to go from. Uh, the entire 2011 run, I mean, outside of the finals, like, you don't want to think of hit Marshan punching Sedins in the face or whatever. Right. Uh, I think that last regular season game where I was it Daniel to solidify the Art Ross when they were playing the Flames and it looked like the Canucks were playing like a Pee Wee team. They did the between, between the, the legs, legs tip and the between the legs goal. Yeah, and it was just like I just remember being at my house like, how is this possible? It looked like they whatever they did was working, and they were having the, so much fun, and they're just that's what sticks yeah. out to me. Yeah. I think there uh, there was there was a season where they were with like Trent Clatt and stuff like mm-hmm. that on the way up. And, you know, they were having success here and there, but it wasn't the Sedin show. It was just, oh, that line works. And then I, I don't know where it was the turning point. Maybe it was with, like, Taylor Pyatt or Steve Bernier or something. And the Sedins were like, you know what? We're going to do this by ourselves. And then they just became, like, one head, uh, one brain. And, like, they were just finishing each other's passes, finishing each other's plays, and just they were one step ahead of the game. And that's, like, the real turning point. They were and finishing they were each other's... Sandwiches. Sentences? Oh, oh so close. So tra- we tried so close. Uh, <laughs> I think the turning point was when Nazan left because then it became the Sedin's team. And they yep. were the first-line guys. They were getting the first-line minutes. They were up against the top D pair, but somehow they like, had a little bit of experience with them. Um, yeah, so uh, congratulations to the Sedin's. It's going to be a awesome few days at Rogers Arena. A couple of big special games there. Marcus Nazan will be attendance, and he's also in town because he's living in Sweden. Coming up on Sunday, February 9th, the Pastime Sports and Games, their newest location in Metrotown Mall. Marcus Naslin doing an autograph event starting at 11 a.m. You bring something down, he will sign it. It is going to be such a cool event, and tickets are selling out fast. Like, there's only a handful of tickets left, so hit up Pastime Sports and Games on their social media feeds. Get a ticket, get down there, because it's not too often a Canuck legend comes into town. Can't wait for that one. And after our next break, we are going to chat with Andrew Castles, a former Canuck. We'll get into his playing career with Nasland because it was before Brennan Morrison. It was the West Coast Express with Bertuzzi, Nasland, and Castles. And don't forget, at 8.30, it is the Yuck Yucks Vancouver Area of Grievances. And all I can say is, hold on to your lunch. Oh, yeah. And, well, and 8 o'clock, the one and only. Sean Antosky. Sean Antosky, Let's baby. get into it again. Green Man Radio, Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan will be back in just a few minutes. Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan continues on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by WhistlerBungie.com. Welcome back to Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650. Powered by Whistler Bungie. I'm Adam Forsyth. Ryan Sullivan alongside for the ride as he is every single week. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. It's been a blast. Yeah. A lot of fun. The Canucks are winning. Life's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are about to have a real-life Hartford Whaler on the show. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. And thousand gamer. Maybe no per- big deal. Maybe perhaps a former Canuck as well. Yeah, I mean, that's probably going to hit this market a little more. Should we break it down? Andrew Castles is about to join Green Man Radio. Uh, this was a, a blast. Uh, a bunch of questions we had because we, we didn't have any interactions with him in the penalty box. He had been retired by the time we came around. But we had a chance to heckle his son, Cole Castles, former Canuck draft pick yeah. at the Memorial Cup. 
And uh, I think we owed we owed him an apology, so we're going to do it by proxy and go through Andrew for this one. Uh, what do you really remember from Castle's career? I mean, I, I really remember that I didn't really know him or uh, understand him as a player until he got to the Canucks. Then I went backwards and I was like, "Wow, this guy, yeah. this guy had skills." He came in as like a total veteran leader, and I'm sure the Sedins would say, "Hey, this was one of the guys that was instrumental in helping us get going here." Uh, he came in kind of right around that time, right before the West Coast Express took off in that era. Uh, but yeah, I remember my biggest thing is before that, my brother was a huge Whalers fan. He'd always talk about Castles, uh, Jeff Sanderson, Adam Burt's Pat Verbeek. Wow, had Adam Burt. So this is when I got on the Castles bandwagon, and I watched him throughout his whole career. The guy was awesome. Really random, but Adam Burt, I definitely had like a 1993-1994 Leaf hockey card, Adam Burt. It was one of my favorites. No yeah. idea why, but... That That's sticks with me. Worth at least six cents. <laughs> yeah, oh, at least. Let's talk to Ken at pastime. He'll get you the exact number. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. All right. Uh, well, also you can track down some Andrew Castles memorabilia at pastime sports, and let's get into it. A great chat with former Canuck Andrew Castles. Our next guest has represented Canada on the international stage of the World Juniors and the World Championships. He was a first-round pick of the Habs in 1987, followed that up by being named the OHL MVP after putting up a ridiculous 151 points in 61 games. He enjoyed stints with Montreal, Hartford, Calgary, Vancouver, Columbus, and Washington, helped guide the Canucks out of the dark days of the 90s, into the West Coast Express era, was a veteran presence for the Sedin's introduction into the NHL, and he appeared in over a thousand games in his NHL career. Please welcome to Green Man Radio, Mr. Andrew Castles. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Now, let's just jump right into the playing career here. Uh, grew up just outside of Brampton. Was it clear from early on you were destined for the NHL, and did, did you grow up playing with anyone who also got in to make it to the show? No, actually, I grew up... Uh... I played on, so I played uh, in a city. It was called Bramalee. Uh, the organization was called Chincuzi, um, the Chincuzi Blues. And our team was terrible growing up. We would usually win three or four games a year, and that was uh, pretty much all we won. Uh, never made it past the first round of kind of our league playoffs or any OMHAs. And, um, you know, played with uh, some good players. I was never. Uh, the top player on the team um, until probably uh, after my uh, Bantam year. I, I played uh, Junior B when I was 15, was a second-round pick to Ottawa. Um, and luckily for me, uh, Brian Kilray was absent for two years with the Islanders from the 67s and came back my first year um, after the draft. And... Uh, very fortunate to be coached by him and, you know, obviously became very good friends with him throughout uh, my hockey career. And, you know, obviously he had lots of uh, advice for me along the way. And, you know, I, I couldn't have been probably luckier to have someone come back uh, to show me the way through junior hockey like he did. Just an absolute legendary coach. And I'm sure he, a lot of the credit for him getting you to certain spots in your career, including playing for Canada at the 1989 World Juniors in Alaska, of all places. Uh, you guys finished fourth. It was a tough loss to the Soviet Union. I was looking at that Soviet team stacked. 51 goals in seven games. They had Burray, Fedorov, McGillney. Uh, what were your memories of that tournament? What was it like going up against those three legends? Yeah, that was probably the memory. Unfortunately, it wasn't uh, a gold memory. It was more of who was on the other side of the ice uh, with uh, the Soviets. They were they had a very strong team, and the Americans had a really strong team, too, that year. So there was, uh, I think, Ronick played, Madano, um, lots of good players in the whole tournament. So a very good showing from, you know, 
every single country that was there. And I, you know, back then it was only you played your seven games. There was no playoffs or anything like that. It was just straight seven games, and whoever had the most points ended up with a gold medal. So, um, you know, it could have been different if it was a different format, possibly. But um, you know, those being in Alaska was obviously a great opportunity because you know I'd never been there and haven't been back. Unfortunately, I'd love to go back. It was from the memories that I had that we weren't, you know, obviously on the ice and doing all of our hockey stuff, uh, just, you know, doing some touring. It's a beautiful place. And, uh, you know, it was really cold. I remember that Uh, (laughs) was probably minus 23, minus 24, but um, a great time. And obviously played with a bunch of great teammates too. And, you know, just, it's always nice to, to play with other players, that just aren't in the Ontario Hockey League either. It's a great opportunity to meet some other guys that uh, play in the Quebec League and, and the Western Hockey League and college hockey. Uh, going back a few years before, drafted first round by the Habs in 1987, what was it like being taken so high by such a historic franchise? Yeah, it was obviously an honor, um, you know, to be able to put on uh, that sweater at the draft. Um, you know, unfortunately my dad was a Leafs fan. Uh, he didn't think too highly of it when I was drafted, uh, by them. Uh, my mom wasn't super excited, even though she didn't watch a whole lot of hockey, but she knew my dad didn't cheer for them. Um, but it was, for me, it was, you know, just a great honor to be, to go to that organization and, you know, and to, to be a part of that history, um, to say you played there and, and really, I mean, to walk into that dress room at the old forum was, special every day I got to do it and you know I never took it for granted and you know went and worked and didn't get a whole lot of ice time early on and in my career with them but um, it it certainly made me appreciate the game a whole lot more just from knowing that it's not going to come easy. Well how about that I mean you may not have got a lot of ice time but you made a pretty good impact in your first NHL game first career shift first shot and you score like what a way to start a career. Yeah, high hopes, I guess, right? And uh, but it was, um, yeah, that's one of those moments that you never forget. Whether it's your first shift or your, you know, it may take you a lot longer than first shift, um, but it's uh, one of those memories. And it came from, you know, a good friend of mine, Ed Christopoli, who actually lives down the street from me now. Um, you know, we hadn't seen each other for quite some time after we both parted our ways in Montreal and come back full circle, uh, you know, 30 some years later and kind of almost be neighbors. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool to see him That's and awesome. sometimes have a chuckle about it. Yeah. All right. Jumping ahead a little bit to your time in Hartford. Uh, I want to ask you about your chemistry with uh, another former Canuck here, Jeff Sanderson. You guys playing together were unstoppable. What was, what, what, what led to the, the such immediate chemistry with this guy? Uh, I think, you know, with with Jeff, he was such a, a fast skater and had a great shot. And with me knowing that, um, you know, I really enjoyed passing the puck and moving the puck. And I think he knew if he could get it to me and then he could get some speed going in the neutral zone that he didn't have to slow down and wait. He knew it was going to get back to him. And, you know, we did have good chemistry in that way that I knew he was either be, going to be coming a little bit behind with a lot of speed or he was ahead of me with a lot of speed, which was most of the time. So I just knew I had to get him the puck because, you know, back in, in the early nineties there, if you could fly down the wing and 
take a pretty pretty hard slap shot, you had a pretty good chance of scoring a goal. So he uh, he certainly had a great shot, and uh, he was such a great skater uh, speed wise that you know we just we just and we got along off the ice really well. I mean, I think that had a lot to do with it. That neither of us, you know, I didn't mind that he was scoring all the goals, and you know, obviously he would give up the puck when he didn't have a chance. And I think just that good friendship off the ice led to how well we got along on the ice, also. It was fun to watch. I mean, not just in Hartford, but when you guys were in Columbus together. Uh, at the end of the Hartford era in 97, so that's your final season with the team, and it's also their final year. Uh, like, I'm kind of unfamiliar with how it all went down. Are you knowing that you guys are going to Carolina? I mean, uh, and did you know it was going to be your final season with the Whalers? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't talked about a whole lot. There was lots of rumors, and then the closer we got... Um, you know, throughout the year, it started kind of more talk about it. And then I think it was probably, I, I want to say maybe maybe the last month of the season, we really knew we weren't coming back um, to Hartford. And uh, the fan support was unreal that year. Um, the final game, you know, I've watched it several times. And it's, uh, it's tough to watch because, it, uh, you know, I spent six years there and, made a lot of good friends throughout the community. The booster club was unbelievable in Hartford. They had 350 strong members and went to a lot of meetings there with them and um, spent a lot of time with them. And, um, you know, and so many players that went through that organization and coaches and managers, um, it just, you know, it seemed like it was, it was just an open door and it was almost, you know, time for the franchise to move because of that, because there was no, no real, you know, solid ground where it just seemed like we had three, four different guys coming in every month from the American League, almost on a basis of okay, who's going to stay here? And nobody ever kind of grabbed it. And it was a revolving door, and you know, then with coaches and general managers, it was just never ending. So I think with them moving it, you know it kind of started off a whole new franchise, even though it was the Whalers franchise. Now, I, I want to get your two cents on something here, Andrew. And, I mean, you look back, I mean, even now, people still say the Hartford Whalers logo is still one of the best of all time. You know, the hidden age, the whale tail, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, now, the Memphis Grizzlies in the NBA, they went back and they're now wearing, like, Vancouver Grizzlies throwbacks that still say Vancouver on them, which I think is kind of still salt to the wound um, you know, because it's a team that was taken out of Vancouver. How do you feel about Carolina wearing the Hartford Whalers logo? Um, you know, because is is that wound still fresh? I mean, there's some good people in Hartford that are probably still a little bit hurt by this. Yeah, I would think so because I think that that jersey belongs in Hartford um, to a lot of people. That's their symbol. It's their team. They still they still love it. You know, um, they still have alumni games in Hartford and there's still the booster club is around still, believe it or not. And, you know, they still think they're probably still hoping that they're going to get a team back um, in Hartford. And I think they're, they probably think that their Jersey belongs in Hartford and Hartford only um, or to play for that city. So it's, I mean, I don't know if it's throwing it in their face because I think they're, you know, you're, you're trying to keep that memory going, but at the same time, I can see how people would be upset that, you know, the hurricanes are wearing it. They're not the whalers. The whalers belong in Hartford. Oh, well said. 
Uh, let's get into the Canuck stuff because it is Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, the Green Man Radio, Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan joined by Andrew Castles. And you signed with the Canucks after a two-year stint in Calgary. I'm sure you had multiple offers on the table. What made you choose the Canucks? Uh, you know what? It looked like a team that was, you know, obviously some great players there with Mark Messier, one, you know, being the leader of the pack there. And what a great opportunity to go and learn from, you know, arguably one of the greatest leaders in all of sport and to have an opportunity to play with him. And then, you know, he looked Marcus Naslin. We had a young defense that was coming up and, you know, even though the team hadn't really done a whole lot, it was one of those opportunities that I thought I could come in and, you know, try to be the difference. And I knew I was going to get a good opportunity to play. Um, I think a lot of times when you're making decisions, it's not just solely based on, uh, money it's on you know everybody wants to play and play you know if you're playing 20 minutes a game it's not enough you want to play 22 minutes or 23 and for me it was just an opportunity I thought that I was going to get a lot of ice time great opportunity to get back um, I didn't have two good years in Calgary in my mind um, you know not what the way that I wanted to play and it just seemed like great opportunity with a lot of great players um, to do well and, you know, to obviously further my career, but, you know, and then you look at the cities too, where, you know, obviously it was a little bit different coming from Calgary price range uh, in houses are a lot different and everything, but then you have to give up, you know, what a great city, what a great hockey city, what a great sports town, so much to do for your family with, you know, golf, skiing, um, hiking. There's so much to do in Vancouver and it's just, it's such a beautiful city and it's a Canadian city too, which I really enjoyed playing in Canadian cities. Just, uh, growing up in Canada, I know it's a passion and, and each city loves their team. Let me tell you, those house prices have changed a lot since you were last here. So <laughs> <laughs> not for the better. Um, but I was it, just going to say, probably not for the better. <laughs> definitely. Um, but in your time in Vancouver, I mean, you mentioned a special player coming over here in Mark Messier. Perhaps two of the most special in this team's history arrive while you're here as well, the Daniel and Henrik Sedin. And, I mean, they get off to, albeit a bit of a rocky start. Fans are getting on them a little bit. But could you tell right from the get-go that these guys uh, had some star potential? Yeah, I think it was obviously, you know, when you come over and you're young um, and coming from a different culture, European culture, and you know, different size of ice, there's going to be an adjustment period. And But you could see that how well they worked together, and it was just finding that third guy who could fit in with them to really complement them. And it was, you know, a matter of time before that worked. And, you know, I remember Trent Clapp playing with them, who, you know, a lot of people might, might not remember Trent, but he was a guy who would go into the corners, work the puck with for Daniel Henrik, and they would do their thing, and he'd get to the front of the net and, and create space for them. And, you know, when they got going, once they got comfortable, they were unstoppable. And, you know, right up to the day that they, you know, decided to retire, they were still, in my mind, could still play the game just as well as they could way back then. In your short time with them, did you see immediate strides? Like, were they just kind of growing with confidence game by game? Yeah, I think just the more they got opportunity, the more they took it and were successful with it. And their confidence grew each each time that, you know, they got more ice time. And, and then eventually they just, you know, blossomed and, and adjusted, like I said, to the different pace, the different size of the rinks. You know, obviously, especially too, with 
couple guys like that that you know you could still kind of take runs at those guys it was still early enough that uh there was liberties taken and you know they they were tough that's one thing i don't think people people know about them is that you know not that they were tough as in fighting or anything but they were very tough players and got knocked around and and they learned how to protect themselves with the puck when they had it and then they took advantage of players when they would take runs at them because they were so smart by moving the puck and jumping by and using each other on given goes that was that was where they were so special i think uh, this team showed a lot of glimpses uh, of you know a special quality while you were here with Naslin, Bertuzzi, the Sedins. Was it disappointing to not get a deep run in with this team? Yeah, and especially the 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 one year we made the playoffs. Unfortunately, me and Marcus both got hurt um, right before playoffs, and I ended up not playing in the playoffs that year. And I, he might have come back near the end of the. Uh, of the first round, but, um, yeah, I think there was a lot of potential. And then, you know, obviously when we went, uh, into Detroit and won the first two games there, um, and then flying home, you know, we were, we were on cloud nine and then, you know, unfortunately they scored from a, a long distance shot on us that kind of depleted us in game three. And it just kind of, that snowballed from there, and we just couldn't bounce back, and they won the next four in a row. So it was uh, disappointing um, because I think we did have a lot of potential with that team, um, you know, and it was a great group of guys. I, com- I don't know your title. I completely repressed that memory of that Nicholas Lichtman <laughs> goal. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I've tried to, but it's still there. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into the, the later stages of your career because you, you wrap your career with a season with the Washington Capitals. Coming back from the lockout, and with the Capitals, you reach 1,000 games. So I want to hear about that. And also, you're playing with the rookie, the super rookie, Alex Ovechkin. So what made you return for that final season, and how was it uh, reaching that 1,000-game milestone? Uh, yeah, I mean, after the you know uh, the work stoppage, it was uh, you know disappointing that I didn't go back to Columbus because I was really enjoying my time there. But with, obviously, the new CBA and everything that – there had to be cuts made and changes made on salaries and whatnot. So um, when I didn't return there, I was seeking employment elsewhere. And, uh, you know, when Washington called, it was a, it was an interesting situation because they're a really young team. And uh, George had, uh, McPhee had, we talked quite a bit and, you know, it was going to come in and try to be a leadership role so to speak, with a with a young group. And I liked that thought of it because I was, you know, getting close to the end of my career. And I did want to play a 1,000 games. That was one of my goals. Um, you know, after you get into the league and establish yourself, I think, uh, you know, a 1,000 games is, is to be said. It's hard to do. Uh, you have to stay healthy. you got to play a long time. And um, to have an opportunity to do that, I certainly wanted to continue to play and, and thought I could still play. Um, so signing with Washington gave me an opportunity to to try to lead some younger guys. And, you know, and, um, you know, I really didn't know Alex uh, very well of who he was or what he was all about. And, and then to be able to get an opportunity to play with him and become good friends with him uh, for the short time I was there, you know, he's he's such a, a good person and um, such a good teammate that, you know, I mean, sometimes it looks like he's all about goal scoring, but he's all about scoring goals for the team. And, you know, if that can help the team win hockey games, then that's what he's going to show. And he's just as happy as the next guy scores 
than himself. So he's, uh, I was fortunate to get to play with him and, and get to know him and really enjoyed my time there. Pretty safe to say that you probably taught him everything he knows? <laughs> nah, you could tell when he came, you could tell right away that this guy was going to be a special player, like within the first 10 games of the season. He just, he had so much drive to be the best that, you know, it's, you can say that there's some great players, this and that, but he just had the will and the drive and he was going to do anything he could to be the best player. And, you know, obviously there's arguments that he is the best player in the league or up there with the best of them or was the best in the league a few years ago or whatever, whoever wants to discuss it. But he certainly pushes himself all the time to be, to be the best that he can be. And he wants to be the best player in the league. I remember the first time, uh, the only time I met Ovechkin, I shook his hand at the NHL awards and my hand disappeared in the palm of his. Like the guy's, you know, it, it's no wonder he's like scoring top shelf from the blue line on wrist shots. The guy's got bear paws going on. Yeah, he comes from, you know, like both parents were athletes at very high level, um, Olympians, and, um, you know, they were big, strong people too, and that, that apple doesn't fall far from the tree because he's certainly, he's a strong guy, and he's very powerful. So, um, you know, obviously everyone has seen some of the hits that he can lay out and some of the hits that he takes, and obviously we all have seen a lot of his goals, how hard he can shoot the puck. So I certainly wouldn't want to be a goalie when he's you know, teeing up a one-timer from over on that circle. Oh, you and me both. Now, I mean, perfect segue, the apple not falling far from the tree here. Now, while we didn't get a chance to heckle you in the penalty box, probably for the best, we did travel to Quebec City for the Memorial Cup a few years ago, and we did get a chance to heckle your son in the box while he played for Oshawa. So if you can pass on an apology on our behalf, we'd greatly appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, what was it like? I will for sure. <laughs> Thank you. What was it like watching uh, your boy get drafted and just the progression of his young career? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun um, and a lot of ups and downs too. Obviously, anytime uh, you know someone's trying to be a professional athlete, um, there's going to be ups and downs. And you know, from watching him uh, win the Memorial Cup and and having a lot of success in junior, um, again, those starting off slowly as an underage and working his way to become a really good player in the OHL and then you know to be rewarded by being drafted by Vancouver in the third round is a great honor but you know like I told him you know and many others it's it's just a step in the right direction lots of work to be done and um and he's putting in the work um you know he spent three years in Utica um thought he got better each year and then decided that, um, you know, with with what he thought he had to do to improve was his skating a little bit and get back to his offensive scoring touch. So he decided to go um, play in the German top league and play over in Europe for a year and on the bigger ice. And, and then he came back this year. And uh, again, it didn't work out the way he thought it was going to, but he, you know, started in Utah in the East Coast League, was there for seven games, did very well, you know, 14, 15 points and then went back to Belleville um, on a PTO there and played really well, um, played in every game that he was up there. And then uh, Wilkes-Barre decided to sign him to an American League contract. So um, now he's playing a lot there and really enjoying it. And he's back to playing the way that he can play. And I'm just excited to see, 
what continues for him in his career because he's still a young guy at 24 and I know he loves the game and this is something that he really wants to do and you know his goal is to play in the NHL and I'm you know there to support him and obviously sometimes he doesn't like what I have to say which you know I'm kind of honest with him because I don't think he needs to be you know told something that's not going on that just to make him feel good I think he's old enough now and big enough man and he needs to be told that this is what I saw and this is this is what you got to do to you know to keep getting better so we have conversations that sometimes last shorter than others but um I think we have a really good relationship and I think he knows that you know what I tell him is you know I'm not trying to hurt him I'm just trying to be honest with him well taking advice from a guy that's played a thousand games in the show never a bad thing so uh, so he's definitely got. Oh, could you tell uh, some of my hockey? Could you tell some of my parents on my hockey team that I coached that? <laughs> yeah, I'll let, I'll let them know for sure. Uh, but we're we're pulling for him on this side. We wish him all the best, and same to you, Andrew. We wish you all the best with everything, and can't thank you enough for coming on Green Men Radio, buddy. You got it. Anytime. Really had fun. There we go. A very insightful chat from former Canuck, one thousand game NHL alum Andrew Castles. That was pretty cool. Among many other things, that's one proud papa right there. Oh, so much so. We're talking about his NHL career, all these accolades. And, and you know, he was into it. He was getting excited. As soon as we bring up his son, oh, hey, and, like, he, he went off. It was great. Oh, yeah. We were like, what was it like to play with the Vetchkin? Ah, it was fine. It was cool. He's a good rookie. Yeah. What about your son, Cole? Oh, Cole. Yeah. He's got three goals this he year, was, Wilkes-Barre. going off. Yeah, it was uh, great. Very cool experience. And, you know, I really like Cole Castles. I thought... Uh, I mean, he was the third-round pick. It didn't quite pan out so far in his career. Still very young, but everyone maybe had too much expectations for him because he was the guy who uh, shadowed Connor McDavid in, in the OHL and, and shut him well, down in the true. finals. Well, it's one of those things. Like, I mean, you know, for a young kid bouncing around a little bit, yeah, it's it's tough. It's not easy, but you learn so much and you mature so much quicker. So it's not it's not a horrible thing. And, and especially when you have a guy, you know, in your corner by the name of Andrew Castles to give you advice, eh, it's pretty good. He's yeah. got quite a bit working for him. Uh, a proud papa. Absolutely. Uh, from... A journeyman of sorts in Andrew Castles and perhaps Cole, if his career has that trajectory, to another journeyman. Sean Antosky is going to join Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650 in just a few minutes. Uh, this guy has some legendary stories. Can't wait to get into it. What about him being recruited by Mario Lemieux? Mm-hmm. Very intrigued to hear that one. You, you'll hear it next. We now return to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by Whistler Bungie. Hour number two on Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, a.k.a. Force. Ryan Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. You can hit us up on Twitter at Adam Forsyth, at Vancouver, and at the Green Men. Any questions for us, shoot them our way. We'll get them on air. Um, ben, Andrew Castle is joining us last segment. That was a ton of fun, and we're going to turn things over to another former Canuck in just a moment, Sean Antosky. Yeah. I, I didn't really know going into this. I, I mean, I remember him in 1994 a little bit. I was very young. But then he goes on to play with so many Hall of Famers on the, that Pittsburgh team and the Flyers team. Yeah, he had the kind of career that, like, you know, you're not going to see in in this new, new NHL. Like, a, a big guy that can scrap, that's a policeman out there. But he had a great run with it. I mean, taking first round, obviously, hopes are high in that really stacked draft, and we get into that. But, um, you know, he, he was instrumental in the 94 run in so many ways. Uh, then he goes over to, to Philadelphia, a market that absolutely is tailor-made for this guy. And then he caps it off by playing on the line with Mario Lemieux. Not too bad. 
Yeah, very cool. And a bit of a tragic end to his hockey playing career. We'll get into all that and much, much more. And it is brought to you by Yuck Yucks of Vancouver. That's right. And if you want to get in there, as you should, you'll see us at one of the shows as well. Melissa Villasenor, a Saturday Night Live Saturday Night Live. I still can't even say that. Saturday Night Live. That's why you're not on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's right. Alumni. She's amazing. Great impressionist as well. February 13th to 15th. There's a bunch of shows going on. Check them out online. Yuckyucks.com slash Vancouver. Or you can find them anytime across social media at Van. That's our plans for our Valentine's dates. Tickets moving fast. You know what? Lisa didn't know that. It was a surprise. But that's okay. She doesn't listen to me on the air anyway, so Perfect. she probably won't hear that. <laughs> All right. Why would my wife support what I do? No. Let's get into it. Here is our chat with Sean Antosky. Our next guest put fear in the eyes of many NHLers over his career, drafted 18th overall by the Canucks in the 1990 draft. His real breakthrough year was the 94 run, where he anchored Vancouver's tough-checking fourth line as the team went to the Stanley Cup final. Following the Canucks, he had successful stops with the Penguins, Flyers, and Ducks before Cohen did a career. Please welcome to the show, Sean Antosky. Thank you, guys. Uh, appreciate it. Really looking forward to today's conversation. Uh, so are we, because, uh, again, I, Sully and I are similar in age. We grew up watching you. It, it was always fun to watch you drop the myths and, and tuck a few in the net. We'll start at the very beginning. Let's jump in before we get to the Canucks stuff, because born in Brantford, Ontario, so essentially you're born into the hockey city, the hockey mecca, the home of Wayne Gretzky. Like, was, did they just hand you a stick in the nursery right, out of, right from the start? <laughs> Who, who's the other guy from Brantford? Yeah, uh, Gretzky. Yeah, uh, something like that. Brent, yeah. Brent Gretzky, his brother, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few of them. I'll tell you, that's that's the the hockey royalty for sure. <laughs> uh, blessed to be be from there, but uh, unfortunately, I think when they were spreading that uh, that talent dust around um, Brantford, I think ninety nine point well, no pun intended, ninety nine percent of it uh, ended up on the Gretzky household. So. Um, fortunate to, to get a little sprinkled my way, but, uh, you know, uh, definitely a great family for sure. All right. Uh, let's talk about that draft day. And one of like the, the biggest drafts in terms of, you know, presenting amazing players in NHL history, we got Owen Nolan, uh, Nedved came to the Canucks as well. Keith Primo, Yarmer Yager, uh, Daryl Sador. I mean, you've got Keith Kachuk, Marty Brodeur going after you. Uh, just, you know, what can you remember from going into that day? Just the nerves, stuff like that. What's draft day like for a kid from uh, Ontario? Well, I can tell you it's nerve wracking. That's for sure. Um, you know, not knowing where you're going to go and, you know, being able to, you know, meet expectations and so on. And then to, you know, like just some of the names that, uh, that you talked about, um, you know, measuring up to any of those guys. I mean, you know, it was overwhelming to say the least. Um, you know, it was exciting. Uh, I was, it was amazing that, uh, you know, I was chosen in Vancouver where the draft was held, which was even cooler, but, uh, I'll tell you, um, you know, the, the, the nerves continued, uh, for <laughs> many days after, um, you know, just being a part of it. It was, it was just incredible. Do you mind walking us through a little bit then that, that week, like what happens once you get drafted? I mean, in Vancouver, so do they give you the tour of the city or what happens? Um, back then it was, you know, it wasn't as probably as much as it was or it is now, um, you know, with invitations and interviews and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, but I mean, I did get to see a lot of the city. I can tell you this for certain when I was traded from Vancouver, um, to Philadelphia, uh, I was not a happy camper. <laughs> I was definitely not a happy camper. Um, you know, I did look forward to going to Philadelphia because it's kind of that mindset that there's somebody that wants me. 
But I absolutely loved the city of Vancouver, the fans, everything about Vancouver was just, you know, incredible. Absolutely incredible. All right. Now, before we get to playing days with the Canucks, when you Google Sean Antosky, one of the first thing that pops up, the first fight that's mentioned is a minor league brawl between you and Steve Martinson in which you fought and then you scrapped again inside the box. He threw a water bottle at you. You climbed over the glass. You destroyed him. Uh, for anyone unfamiliar, can you explain what was going on in that moment? Uh, <laughs> when I look back on it, I, I actually kind of question it. I'm kind of like, did I really do that? Um, but, you know, in that moment, it, it was just, it was reactive, um, you know, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, that's the one thing about professional sports, um, you know, emotions, you know, can kind of get the best of you. And, and sometimes things just, you know, kind of happen, um, you know, see through the water bottle and it, it was just, I don't know, it was just reactive. Uh, you know, I instinctively just kind of decided that I was going over to see him and, you know, meet face to face once again. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I've been like social media now, the way it is, um, every year, whenever it comes up on TSN or something like my phone blows up, it's like, you know, people are talking about it and da, da, da. And I'm like, you know, this has happened so long ago. And, you know, it's one of those things that you're never going to get away from. But, you know, it did happen. Um, Stevie's a good guy. Uh, it was just, you know, a matter of circumstances. Two guys, two teams battling it out. Oh, and I guess then it's a good thing if it is aired all the time that you won that fight, both on the ice and in the penalty <laughs> box. You went two for two. Yeah, uh, you know, again, there's there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. I'm just uh, was fortunate that I was on the winning side of it. So I want to really dive into the 94 Cup run before we get there because we were talking penalty box and you are on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. We were the two idiots in the spandex suits beside the penalty box all those years. <laughs> Did you ever encounter anything similar or like what was your biggest fan interaction back in your playing days? Did you ever... Uh, I mean, I'm sure you didn't have an idiot in green spandex doing handstands, but was there anything close to that? <laughs> um, I actually, it was uh, oddly enough in New York. Um, I remember, and I can't, don't quote me on who it was that I got into an altercation with uh, from the Rangers, but I remember Adam Sandler, like just, you know, just complete excitement at the glass. Like he was just, you know, it was like the biggest thing. And, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, from that standpoint, you know, on the other side of the glass, seeing that was kind of like, wow, you know, like, that's pretty cool. Um, my, an, another kind of weird circumstance, uh, was, uh, playing in Los Angeles and, um, you know, the old, uh, forum and, you know, they had the gold room that, uh, the, the door to the, uh, gold room for, for VIPs would come out by our dressing room. And I remember standing there, I was curving a stick. And, uh, out come, uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. And I just like, Hey, Kurt, Hey Goldie. And it was just, it was so natural because I'd seen them so often, you know, on TV and stuff like that. It was almost like I knew them, but I never even met them before. And, you know, I was just like, kind of turned and I was like, I, I apologize. And they just, they laughed about it. And then, you know, uh, Goldie had made, uh, the, the 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 comment that to to not to not uh, pick on our boy uh, Lucky Luke uh, Robitaille and uh, I said that I can't make any promises but uh, you know I'll do I'll do my best <laughs> and and the legends of that gold room at the Great Western Forum uh, pretty insane stuff there's definitely the place to be but the place to be in 1994 was in a skate jersey 
And in your 55 games that season, you made a huge dent. And then the real highlight, of course, the playoffs, you, Tim Hunter, John McIntyre, absolutely clutch as a fourth line trio. Uh, why did you guys click? What, what was the, the big impacting factor there? Well, I, I think that, you know, we, we knew our role, uh, number one, and, you know, it was to fill in wherever, you know, the big lines, you know, when they needed a break and, you know, to, to do our best to kind of keep, you know, the other team off the scoreboard, but also like punish them physically so that, uh, you know, we could wear them down a bit. Um, you know, I think that's the, 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 the chemistry and the understanding, like we all bought into the same thing. We all knew our roles and, uh, you know, we stuck, stuck with it. And, you know, fortunately it worked out, you know, as far as the chemistry was concerned, but, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, we didn't come out on the, uh, the winning end in game seven. And, you know, those are things that kind of still haunt me to this day. It's kind of like you're that, that scoreboard flashing, you know, and the buzzer going and, you know, that 1940 curse, uh, you know, lifted and, you know, there's a lot of things kind of rip through your mind because it's like, you know, you see the success of some guys that have won Stanley Cups, you know, after hockey and, uh, you know, you were that close, but, you know, as I said, you know, before, uh, before about fighting, there's gotta be a winner and there's gotta be a loser. Now on that fourth line was Tim Hunter. And were you as terrified of the grizzled vet? Like I was as a child. I mean, you played alongside him. Was he like a nice little safety blanket for you that you could play with impunity or. You know what? I, I think we fed off each other and I'll, I can, I can say this, like, Tim was one of the funniest guys, like one of the most mild mannered guys off the ice. Um, you know, like he, he was a total team guy, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, the one thing that when you play that role, um, you know, those are the guys that, uh, you know, really kind of hold the team together as far as, you know, glue is concerned. Tim was instrumental in, in so many different ways. You know, he was a Stanley cup champion, um, you know, but as, you know, a tough guy and one of those guys that, you know, kind of, remolded his game and and you know still could bring a lot to the table you know both on the ice and off the ice like i i I have nothing but great things to say about tim hunter the following season you get moved to philly which is like an absolute haven for tough guys i mean broad street bullies you know you got dave the hammer schultz so much history there with the knuckles uh you know what were your first thoughts heading there in the role that you played uh to the great city of philadelphia well, oddly enough, um, my first night there, I remember saying to the trainer, I was like, um, you know, well, you know, I'll wear this jersey tonight, um, you know, but I'll, I'll want to change my number, you know, to a number of my liking. And I remember him saying, uh, well, actually, this is the number uh, Bobby Clark wanted you to wear. Um, you know, you'd have to take this up with Bobby. And I looked at the jersey and I was like, number eight. And I just kind of thought to myself, hmm. I wonder why, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, walking in the footsteps of Dave Schultz um, and, you know, from that point forward, uh, you know, I remember my first fight, um, it was, uh, you know, pretty one-sided, uh, unfortunately for the other guy. And from that day forward, uh, let me tell you, you know, there, there's, there's not many places I could go in Philadelphia without being recognized. That's for sure. So Clark made it pretty clear from the jump, like, we brought you in to throw some mitts. Yeah. And, you know, again, but you know, the, 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 the table was also set that, you know, the expectation was more than just that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just unfortunately, you know, kind of working your way into the lineup as far as, you know, up the lineup, I guess would uh, probably be the best way to describe it. 
um, you know, it just never materialized. And, you know, I think that, you know, given the, the, the team that we had, we, you know, we were an extremely physical team, um, you know, with the Lindros, uh, Leclerc and Renberg line. Like, I mean, they were all physical guys, you know, our defense. Uh, I mean, you know, there was, there was a lot of big guys that played on that team. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of guys that answered the bell. So, you know, it kind of fell on my shoulders to, to, to do so. And, um, you know, as much as I didn't really enjoy that side of it, um, you know, I respected my teammates and, um, you know, went to the wall for them because I felt that, uh, you know, in a lot of situations, you know, I'd rather have them on the ice, um, you know, healthy and, and, you know, feeling good about themselves. A few more minutes with Sean Antosky on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan alongside you. Uh, you mentioned those two guys that you were kind of protecting a little bit, Eric Lindros and John LeClaire, absolute legends. And that 94-95 season when you joined the Flyers, like maybe that was one of the best seasons uh, players ever had, Eric Lindros. It was a shortened season. But how dominant was he? Like that Was it just fun to watch from afar? Oh, like I mean, it was, even, at, even at, you know, playing with men, he was still like he was playing, you know, with boys. Um, you know, he was a physical specimen on every level. Um, talent, like, I mean, as far as, you know, the complete player, um, I, I, I find it hard to argue that, you know, there would be another player like him, you know, that could play, you know, with that physical presence. Um, if need be, need to drop the gloves, he could handle, you know, any guy, you know, or, and fight with the best of them. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy that could, you know, score 50 goals. You know what I mean? So, you know, that complete package, um, you know, rare, you know, on, on every level. Absolutely. Like it was, it was incredible to watch him. And oddly enough, my younger brother played with Eric growing up in Toronto, um, you know, in our minor hockey, uh, you know, circles, uh, they played together. So my younger brother was, you know, another one, he was six, five, you know, actually prototypically the same as, as Eric. So, I mean, you know, I was witness to that way before a lot of people were even witness to it. So, uh, it was a pleasure to watch, you know, even at a young age, but to see him out, you know, as a teammate, was incredible. All right, John. I play hockey. Force plays hockey. Not not at, very not, well. Not yeah. at the level that you played by any means. Nowhere even near a sniff of the level you played. But we all know goalies, they're a little different. They, they, they can be a little different at times. So <laughs> you're in a room for a long time with a guy like Kirk McLean. Calm, pretty cool, collected guy. Uh, we just had him on the show a couple episodes ago, a good fella. Yeah, and, saw that. And then you head over to Philadelphia, and the guy was on the back nine of his career, but you get Ron Hextel, one of my favorite goalies of all time, and, you know, he, he is known for dropping his mitts, something that is, you know, not a typical trait when it comes to goaltenders. What, what was he like as a teammate? Was he the kind of guy that would go to war for you as well? I mean, how did he uh, come off in the room? 100% like team guy, you know, and, you know, I, I, I never played with a goalie that wasn't a team guy, but, uh, Hexy was one of those ultimately rare breeds. Um, you know, the, 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 the type of guy that, um, you know, you want to talk about extremely focused, like literally, you know, before we left, you know, to head down the tunnel, the, you know, the, uh, into the, uh, spectrum, um, he, he would like shut down like probably a half an hour before and just like be quiet, rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth. And, you know, we all literally be sitting there before, you know, heading out for warm up or whatever. And it was literally when Hexy went, 
we went, you know, so we'd be all standing like in this big pile in the middle of the room and we're all waiting for him. And he's, you know, psyching, 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 you know, you're kind of all of a sudden you kind of get relaxed for a second. Then all of a sudden he's gone and it's like, Oh, (laughs) we got to go get him, you know, but that's how, you know, focused and fierce he was like, he was a competitor, you know, through and through Um, one of those guys that, you know, again, you know, a teammate that you would, you know, do anything for couple more teammates I wanted to ask you about, and it's the next phase of your career with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Hall of Famers, Mario Lemieux, Ron Francis, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Yarmer Yager. I mean, you're walking into, a, like, hockey royalty. I mean, any good stories out of that? Any highlights of your career? Uh, any conversations? Words of wisdom from the great one? Um, I remember going through training camp and, you know, everybody talking about, oh, you know, the reason you're here, Mario wanted you, and so on and so forth. And I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. You know, and, you know, you, you start hearing rumors that, you know, well, you know, you'll probably be playing with them. And I'm thinking, whatever, like, you know, be realistic here. And I remember the opening night, we're playing Tampa Bay and Eddie Johnson walks into the room and, you know, he's going through his spiel and uh, he announces uh, the opening lineup and he's like, uh, Mario, uh, uh, Anton, uh, you, Mario and uh, Tommy Sandstrom are going to be playing together tonight. And I remember, like, literally, I'm thinking, you know, I've got some games under my belt, some Stanley Cup experience, you know, playoff experience, et cetera, et cetera. I was literally almost sick to my stomach. I was just like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to be playing with, you know, arguably one of the best players to ever lace up a pair of skates. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm freaking out inside. And I'm like, just sitting right, like, basically two people away from him. And I just, I kind of turned to him and I was like, Ace, uh, like what? Like what do you want? What do you want me to do? Like uh, you know, like help me out here. Like we haven't even practiced together. Like on a line or like what do you want me to do? And I remember it was it was comical because you know I just shaking in my boots and he's like, uh, if we get the puck in our end, give it to me. <laughs> uh, if we get the puck in the neutral zone, give it to me. I was like okay, if we get the puck in their end, give it to me. <laughs> I'm thinking this this is simple. I'm like, okay, so what do you want me to do after I've given it to you? He's like, just go to the net and keep your stick on the ice. He says, you don't even have to be looking at me. I'll put it in off you. And I remember sitting there and I mean, he was serious, but that's how good he was. Like I remember the first time he came in after uh, being off with, uh, with his back and we were already two weeks into training camp. And, you know, I ride in with Kenny Raggett and there's media trucks everywhere. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And he's like, I mean, only one thing, big man skating today. We're two weeks in, we've trained all summer, you name it. And he went out on that ice surface and dominated. Like literally it was like, I was sitting on the bench and I was watching and I'm like, are you for real? Like, seriously? And I remember Ronnie Francis turning to me, he's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like, and literally like some of the things that he would do, just like mind boggling, absolutely mind boggling. Yager, same thing, you know, like just incredible guys, incredible talents. You know, I mean, I was, that's one thing that I can honestly say that throughout my career, um, you know, I was blessed to play with some extremely talented superstars, you know, on, on a whole different level, superstar. Now, you head to Anaheim from there, and I mean, you've been playing with all these these warriors through the years, and you come in on a, on a fairly younger, inexperienced Ducks team. Um, so kind of what was that transition like? And then, I mean, how tough was it? I mean, and if you want to go in deeper, by all means, um, but at the same time, how tough was it to watch your career 
and in you know not on your terms as well well going to anaheim it was definitely a, a culture shock i mean you know you, you go from you know like i want to say the hockey cities um you know that cold environment when winter you know comes and hockey season starts it's it's cold um you know like things that are relatable and you know you're riding to the rink and you know you're game 20 and you're wearing shorts and t-shirt you know what i mean like it's 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 kind of odd and on that level um i found it hard to kind of climatize to that you know that being said um you know the organization was great um you know we're great players um you know although young there was a lot of curve coming in and you know i mean obviously there was you know serious potential moving forward when berkey went there and you know, ultimately they won the Stanley Cup and, you know, Tamu and, you know, those guys. Like, I mean, it was, you know, definitely a, 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 a tough, uh, a tough environment to, you know, play in. But that being said, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, you know, unfortunately, as far as my career ending, um, you know, on, you know, unfortunately in a car accident, um, you know, being a passenger, um, you know, maybe it was my time. I, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, there was a lot of things that were going on in, you know, in my life, you know, as far as physically and mentally that, you know, I was finding it uh, difficult to, 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 to navigate that world. Um, you know, so, I mean, in one side of it, maybe it was a blessing. I don't know. Um, you know, but it did, uh, it wasn't easy to, um, you know, kind of navigate life after that's for sure. Well, from everything that I've seen, read, and we've talked about off the air, you're doing a pretty fantastic job with that navigation, albeit with a pretty busy schedule as well. As the president of the Belleville Minor Hockey Association, you're also doing some great work with some causes uh, for mental health uh, with a group called Fear Nothing. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm in partnership with uh, the Mood Disorder Society of Canada. Um, I'm the uh, founder and president of Fear Nothing, which is a uh, mental health organization that, uh, you know, supports, advocates for people struggling with, you know, a, a broad variety of uh, mental health, um, you know, struggles and issues. You know, this year, it's uh, May 30th is is our event. And actually, there's one that is going on in Vancouver. And, you know, I'm really hoping that people are going to get behind that. It's, it's extremely important. And I know what it's like to have struggled and suffered with depression. Um, and uh, Amina Khan, who is uh, the organizer behind the one in Vancouver's Defeat Depression, um, you know, they're going to be uh, securing the uh, Stanley Park for their for their uh, event, you know, and it's kind of nice because, you know, in my kind of my old stomping grounds, there's somebody there that's actually, you know, putting forth an effort, you know, to raise awareness to, you know, to, to, to mental health, depression, you know, and things that are relevant in, in, in our world today. I think, uh, you know, as far as the stigma that's been attached to it, um, it's gone on too long. I, I think it's extremely important. I know that, you know, we've we've lost, uh, you know, a lot of great warriors as far as, um, you know, the NHL is concerned. You know, Wade Belak, Derek Bugard, Mark Rippon, um, you know, Todd Ewan. I mean, like, things like this, like, we end up the poster childs for this. And, you know, the, 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 the struggle is real for a lot of people. Like, this does not discriminate. Um, you know, even with uh, the event that's going on in, in Vancouver, I want to challenge like, you know, my former teammates, you know, any of the sports teams out in Vancouver to get involved in this. Uh, I think it's extremely important for people to, to, to acknowledge it, 
um, and feel secure and safe about talking about it, you know, because if they talk about it, people will get help. Um, I really hope that people will jump on board in Vancouver. And I know that, you know, playing there, I, I know the character of the people. And, you know, I have the utmost confidence that, you know, people are going to get involved with this. We do have some good folks over here, but it, it's like you say, I mean, you can talk about the change or you can be the change. And, it, and it's fantastic uh, that you're putting in such an effort, man. I really do appreciate that and really greatly appreciate you coming on the show as well, uh, chatting about that and also your amazing NHL career. Truly appreciate it, buddy. Hey, listen, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I, I really, really appreciate it. There it is, our chat with former Canuck Sean Antosky on Green Man Radio. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan with you. Uh, a really interesting chat. Didn't know what to expect from him, but, I mean, he's had a very full life, a lot of cool stories. I mean, playing alongside Mario Lemieux, it's no joke. Guy's been all over the place, and it's one of those things, like we had Brent Sopel on uh, just a few weeks ago as well, where, you know, you go through your hockey career, you know, lots of ups and downs, some cool accolades, but then, you know, you really find your footing once you retire, uh, and you give back, and you do some great work, and that's what he's been doing, and, and you know, he's, we kind of summed it up at the end there. Uh, initiative going on in Vancouver. Uh, Amina Khan is behind it, and it's just a tremendous thing. Hopefully everyone can get behind it and support it uh, like he is from across the country. Yeah, we can't thank Sean for coming on Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650. Coming up in just a few minutes, tons of hockey stories to get into. It's been a frantic week in the world of hockey. We're going to get into it all and much, much more. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan will be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by WhistlerBungie.com. Welcome back to Green Men Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan with you for the final segment of this evening's show. A couple of great interviews we've had with Sean Antosky and Andrew Castles. And a couple of former Canucks to a couple of current Canucks. It's the I guess they're not so much current Canucks. Uh, more they're, recent. They're still current to me. The Sedin's Legacy <laughs> Week coming up next week. Cannot wait for that. Is there 22 and 33 will head to the rafters. Um, yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot because we didn't discuss this. But Please do. Naslin, Smeal, Bure, Linden, the Sedin's. Who's next to it's, get their jersey retired? Can I just throw out? It's... As much as I love this franchise and it's a part of who I am and my heritage, it is laughable when you think about how many cup banners are up there and how many retired, and I'll use air quotes because, you know, we're not talking Gretzky's here, but how many players are up in the rafters. Do you know what I mean? Like there is, like how many division banners are up there, how many cup banners are up there, and how many retired players. So you're saying they shouldn't have those players Retired. No, it's I'm no, they queuing absolutely, up for a hot take here. No, no, they absolutely should. And, and I think it's great, but it's So what are you trying they're, to say? They're well, they're just they're retired because they're in the hearts of Canuck fans. But are they retired for their greatness in the league? Like Burray is a Hall of Famer. The Sedines, I think, will be Hall of Famers. Um you know what I mean? It's just it's a, it's So a you're weird saying thing. that Trevor Lynn and Stan Smeal should not no, be. No, you know what I think? I think retired. it's just I've been chirped so long. We were always chirped in the green suits. Oh, how many cups do you guys have? And then you know, then you start looking at it. Okay, well, the Habs have this many retired numbers. They got that many cups. That makes sense. But it's just a weird thing with Canucks. But, you know, to be honest with you, and it probably won't happen because the way it all fell apart and the way it went on, but Roberto Luongo should probably have his number up there. I'm just saying. You look at the Canucks record books, if he left and or if he retired as a Canuck and everybody loved him like they do the Sedins, absolutely that number one would be up there. 
Okay. I, yeah. I, know it's, I know it's a gray area because he left Vancouver. He still played a bunch of years. He had that giant contract that we're probably, yeah, we are still paying. Um, Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, sure. Okay, we'll give him that much. But as far as stats go, and, and a guy that really made a difference and, and really pushed the team to its success, tell me Roberto Luongo wasn't the centerpiece of the Canucks' success. No, the Saints were. Okay, all right. Who performed better in 2011? I, I'm not saying that the Sedins were not integral, all right? But you just if, said... If you the, don't no, have... You just said Luongo was the if most... If you integral. don't have a, an all-star, a superstar between the pipes, you're not going to the cup final. Am I wrong? Are we going to the cup final with Klutz? Did they win the cup final? Are we going with Bobby Essenza? All right, how about this one into the Ring of Honor? Ryan Kessler. Uh, Ring of Honor... I think he went out in a worse way than, than Luongo, so... I, but but then again, I mean, time heals all time heals all wounds. There it is. Uh, I mean, like we were just talking about earlier in the show, the Pavel Bure thing. So Kessler, I'd I'd give it a I'd give it a sixty forty yes, but it's going to take way more time than the Alex Burrows going up there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we need time to heal those wounds. I would, but you know what? And and I mean, when it comes down to numbers, it it probably is. You know, it's definitely more of a landslide in Kessler's favor. But I would like I'd support Kevin BX up there more than I would Ryan Kessler, because he was such a fan favorite. I love the juice. All right, Green Man Radio Sportsnet six fifty out of Forsyth and Ryan Selvin. Let's uh, so some from past Canucks to current Canucks. How uh, oh, they're on fire! They are rocking and rolling right now. Yes. Uh, wrapping up a road trip. It's looking really good. Uh, looking at the gambling odds because we like to dabble, mm-hmm. and I I think I should have jumped on it a lot later or like earlier in the year. The Canucks jumping from plus 5,000 on June 13th at the end of last year's Stanley Cup final to plus 1,500 right now, the seventh best odds in Vegas to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. How are you feeling about the Canucks right now? Uh, I, I feel pretty good. And like, th- there's something interesting, and, and, and we didn't make a note of it, but they went, they were started out at plus 5,000, and then they started to come down. They got as high as plus 4,000, and then, you know, they went on that spill. After like the nice hot start, they started to fall apart. They went right back up to plus five. So you had a chance. Um, but yeah, right now, we're pretty deep into this season. Uh, and and it's still it's still working. We're not used to this as Canuck fans. We're used to a hot start and then, okay, well, see you next season. So this is nice. It's almost new territory. It's been a very long time since I've been feeling this confident. For sure. I've always, I've been burned too many times. I think kind of what you were saying there. I, I just... Yeah, I'm just not comfortable like putting my full faith into it. But now we're into February, and I'm like, all right, yeah, they're still, you know, they're at the top of their division. They're probably going to be there for a while. It's still mm-hmm. very close. But I mean, when you look at the teams like Edmonton, Calgary, Vegas, and Arizona, do any of those teams scare you? Vegas would be the one team that scares me. But yeah. three of those teams have to pass the Canucks in the standings to knock them out of the playoffs at this point. I I am a little bit worried about Edmonton be honest, and I know I've brought up Edmonton on the show and you've laughed me out of the room before, but just watching this Battle of Alberta, they've got that kind of old-school mentality, that old-school hockey, and when it comes to playoff time, you need some sandpaper in the lineup, and I'm not sure the Canucks have that. That was their Achilles heel in 2011. The Bruins were just a bigger, tougher team that just bullied them around. The Canucks, they're, as much as you know, they're, as they're impressing me, there's a lot of skill guys on that team, just like we had in 2011, and I'm not saying we got a cup run on our hands here, but there's a lot of skill guys like they had in 2011, and there's not a lot of toughness out there. So, you know, Tyler Myers is the most intimidating guy, and he's a gentle giant. So, yeah, no, Anton Roussel's nobody. Okay, okay. We're, we're going to throw one guy? 
Yeah, because you just said Tyler Byers is the only one. Well, Let's loop back to I, your I, previous I, I, comment. I, I, no. meant, I meant physically intimidating looking. The guy's a giant, but, you know, he's like a Taylor Pyatt. I want to loop back to what you said earlier about needing a star goalie to win you a cup. Okay, we're going back. Yeah, yeah, because Let's do it. what's Edmonton's goaltending situation? If you're just going to call me out on every point I make, <laughs> this is going to be a long show. All right? but We only got 10 minutes left. I can no, keep no, going. That's, that's fair. I mean, it, okay, it, more so it, these days, I mean, th- there's a lot more guys that, that you know, that, that, that carry the rope and move the team along. Before, I'm talking like mid-2000s to late-2000s, you needed to have a superstar between the pipes, a guy that would stand on his head if you wanted to have success in the NHL. Now it's more spread around. There's a lot more parity throughout the team. Your defense could help carry you. You could have two, three solid lines there. I mean, your, your, your second, your third line, you know, depth is so much more important now. Whereas before, you look at the Canucks, and we could rattle off the top few lines in our head, no problem. But when it comes to like the third and fourth liners, back in like the late 2000s, it was, it was a rotating door. But now there's a lot more parity in there, and those guys play in a much more integral role. So, with that said, this is my roundabout to my point. The goalie isn't as integral. He doesn't have to be a giant superstar. He just has to be really good. You're getting quite a workout on your quads from all the backpedaling you've been doing. Tell me about it, eh? <laughs> Jeez. All right, so uh, right now, do you think they win the division? Like, as of today, do you, you think talk, the Canucks you, win the division? Talking about the Canucks. Yeah. Uh, or do you think Oilers pass them? Okay, that's the most on-the-spot thing that you've done so far. Throwing that out there because there's still a lot of hockey to be played here. Absolutely, that's why it's it's fun. Yeah. I've I've seen this as someone who's finally come around and I'm like, all right, I'm going to trust the Canucks now, which probably means I'm going to get burned because all season long, yeah, I said I didn't trust them. I was on uh, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary earlier this week, mm-hmm. and they were asking me about my thoughts about the Canucks. I said honestly, I think the Flames probably get them past them in the playoffs. Now, did I actually think that? No, I just wanted to like <laughs> it was called, like the reverse. You just jinx. wanted to be able to go to Alberta again yeah, in your life. The reverse yeah. jinx. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, no, I, I don't think that the, the Canucks win the division. I think that they're they're really strong, but they still have shown that there's a little bit of streak going on in there. Um, they've put together some great runs, um, a number of games in a row, which has been awesome to watch. Um, but every now and then the wheels do fall off before you know they get repaired and come back on. So, um, no, I, I think overall, I think Vegas has the, has the most power, um, even though I'm still not on board, apparently, with much like most of the fans down there with the Gerard Gallant thing. We talked about that when it happened, and I still think maybe there was something behind the scenes, but the fact that it hasn't come out this far into it, I don't know, I don't understand that whatsoever. So regardless, I'm getting off on a tangent, but I think Vegas will will come back and storm back. I think they fall in line with what you proposed about goaltending being important. Marc-Andre Fleury yes. is arguably one of the best goalies. Thank you for agreeing with me. I'm just trying to get you back on track. Yeah, okay, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, uh, so there we go. That is the Canucks... I think they're going to do solid. They're going to get to the playoffs. I'm so excited for that because it gives us something to talk about on Green Man Radio. But we also have something that we've been teasing up all episode long, and it is one of the most bizarre days I've ever had at work in my entire life. It is time for the Yuck Yucks airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. (laughs) Now you're going to hear about it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. This is the airing of grievances brought to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. To see which comics are on their way to the comedy club, check them out across social media at Yuck Yucks Van or online anytime at yuckyucks.com. Yes, yes, Melissa Villasenor will be on the Yuck Yucks stage as part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Fest from February 13th to the 15th. Three shows for one of the best young comics on the planet. She was awesome on Saturday Night Live. 
Uh, you can check her out anytime on YouTube. Some tremendous stuff, incredible impressions. Check out yuckyucks.com slash Vancouver or their social streams at yuckyucksvan for much, much more. Now, normally, Ryan, I let you kind of take the reins of the area of grievances because I, I love when you get fired up. Uh, you're a passionate guy. Oh, you're thank passionate. You. Thank you. But this one, I'm going to take the reins, and I'll try to keep this story pretty condensed. But again, you're in for a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> right here. Ryan's kind of got the bare bones of it, but I think I'll, I'll add, I'll pepper in some more details you might not have heard. So I work for Sportsnet, and I work for News 1130 as a sister station in the same building for Rogers. I've been doing the sports updates here for five, six years. I've been working here for 10 years. Every once in a while, I get asked to go to a local broadcast school and give a talk and just kind of give my career path some advice. And at the end, I always just try to be a nice guy. I throw down some business cards, say, anybody who wants to come in and do a bit of a job shadow, I'll get you in for a couple hours, see what it's all about. You get to hang out with some Sportsnet employees, see what I do for a living, and if that's a path you want to pursue, go for it. I, I do that because I wish somebody, when I was in school, made that offer to me because you're kind of going in blind. When you graduate, you do a couple internships, you don't really know what you're getting into. So at least this kind of gives you an idea. I think probably some listeners here uh, tonight would kind of have in their mind's eye what the station looked like, and I, I bet you're probably pretty wrong. It's a lot different. So anyways, this person reaches out to me. We'll leave him nameless for the sake of the story, and I don't. there might be lawsuits. Who knows? This person reaches out to me, and when I was giving the talk at the class, he there was one kind of weird person. In 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 yeah in this this in this class and I said I really hope it's not this guy but whatever he was just asking acting weird and asking weird questions but nothing he was harmless sure enough he reached out I said come in from this date one to three I didn't know the name or the face he shows up and it's the strange guy this guy is He's acting strange he was just acting strange yeah, yeah. I just kind of uh, yeah some weird questions and some weird statements and just but you know teach their own people are everyone's sure. different yeah. So this gentleman comes in. He is six foot seven, and he is dressed to the nines. Tie, suit, jacket, dress, pants. I'm like, man, this guy's dressed to impress. In fact, our receptionist out front thought it was uh, a client for sales. It, you, that's one of the first things you should learn in school. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have. This, Sorry, keep this, going. So this he's guy, on the right track. This guy was dressing for... He, I think, came, he came in checking the boxes. I was like, all right, hey, full credit to him. So here we go. Get him in. This is at 1 p.m. And I take him over to my desk. I kind of start showing him how I assemble my lineup. The Canucks are going to play that night. So I was showing him how uh, Brendan Batchelor, the Canucks play-by-play guy, will send me audio. And they were playing San Jose that night. So I was like, oh, here's some Brandon Sutter audio. I'll cut it up, put it in the script. And he's just kind of nodding along and kind of just doing his own thing. I go to do my 115 sports update. I turn my microphone on. I start talking. He then leans over to me and says, I've met O.J. Simpson. I've met O.J. Simpson. I've met O.J. Simpson. <laughs> I have to turn my microphone off. I'm like, hey, man, I'm on air right now. I'm like, this is like a sports <laughs> update. Just relax. It's, it's good. You're, I'll tell me that story in a second. Anyways, I'm going to speed through this because I'm running along already. I'm, I'm ranting, but oh, this I, thing's got I, me you fired You never up. told me that part. Oh. I'm into it now. They keep going. So I finished my update. I'm like, hold that thought on OJ Simpson, whatever that means. I grab my water bottle. I'm like, I'm going to get some water. So I get water, come back, and he's now put his head down on my desk. And it's kind of like in his arm. So he's created a little like crevice for himself. Like, are you all right? He looks up at me and proceeds to power vomit all over himself, all over the desk, all over the floor. And it's like a dark purple. And he's just like, oh, just, it's disgusting. I was like, are you okay? I thought maybe he was nervous. So I went and got some paper towels and said, hey, can you just like try and clean this up? And you're clearly not feeling well. We'll get you out of here. And then he starts denying that he has puked. No, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. You're good. You'd 
But you're covered in puke. Your suit is ruined. So then he kind of gets all glassy-eyed. And at this point, I'm going to get my boss involved. So my boss comes over. We're talking to him. And then it starts to smell like booze. So we're, oh, okay. Like, a very strong smell. Like, we weren't... I wasn't making it up. He was definitely boozing. So we try to get him up and walk him to the front door. He passes out into a wall. So at this point, I'm... Uh, I have a passed out intern. It is a nightmare. So we eventually get him up by the collar. We guide him out to the lobby. And then he's refusing to leave because he starts going, I'm here for the job shadow. No, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just, I'm here for the job shadow. I'm here for the job shadow. And we wanted to make sure it wasn't like medical, like he didn't have a seizure or something. So we're like, we'll call you an ambulance. But the booze thing was kind of giving it away. Wouldn't leave. We had to call the cops. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a bad first day. It was a horrible first day for this guy. (laughs) And... Yeah, so he left uh, before the cops. Uh, the cops didn't even arrive. We just kind of said, hey, he's wandering up Camby, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the kicker to the story is that is crazy. Any intern who ever comes with me, don't worry. You won't be the worst intern of all time. He emails me the next day asking for a job. No apology. He said, I'm embarrassed. I haven't had a drink in over a year. Uh, I wasn't drunk. Uh, it was a medical issue. Uh, also, I'd love a job. No apology in there. No, hey, can I pay for the cleanup? Because we had to get cleaners to come in. Yeah. Sully, it was chaos. <laughs> chaos. The room stank for five hours. I felt so bad for all my coworkers. I thought I was going to get in trouble for bringing in some stray off the street. Yeah. I had to email his instructor at the school. That is not good. What a way to impress. I, I, but you know what, though? He created a memory. I'm not going to say his name, but yeah. I will know his name for the rest of my life. You always want to leave a lasting impression. Yeah. You always do. And... You know, you got to look for the succession. You got to look for the grain of salt where it is. And and there it is. He left a lasting impression that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And I'm sure the people here and especially your coworkers will as well. It was it was horrendous. Do you have a, like a worst intern story for you? Because that was, I mean, I don't know. I know you can't uh, top that, but. No, I, I can't top that. I once shook Scott Oak's hand when he was holding a roll of papers. Uh, that was awkward, but that's nowhere near what you're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, everyone has an awkward moment when they first start out, but uh, I just couldn't believe it. That. I thought he just didn't have like spatial awareness. While I was like on air, his like he's tall, but his legs like kept like hitting my legs, and it's like maybe just he's just like unaware of his surroundings. Yeah, just that's a rough one. I can't top that, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna try. But I would like to get into the Burrard Physio injury report if that's if that's okay. I understand. I. We, we got to pay the bills here. Yeah, <laughs> so I pulled that a was hip, good. I pulled a hip running away from the puking man. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I've been pulling a hip back, pedaling through pretty much everything I've been saying this whole show. So anyways, we're well into 2020, and I'm sure our listeners are still diligently working towards our New Year's resolutions. You might be training for a marathon, fondos, whatever it is in your active lifestyle, or maybe resolving to address new injuries, nagging injuries, and warrior injuries, or maybe you're just feeling it after puking on a desk. Either way, whatever it is, the physios at Burrard Physiotherapy, they are ready to help. They're ready to roll. They will offer you the support that you need to keep your goals on track and get you moving in the right direction for this exciting new 2020 year that's upon us. Located in the heart of downtown Vancouver, Burrard Physiotherapy is the home of rehab you can trust. Remember, at Burrard Physiotherapy, you are in the right hands. Brian, you're you're a bit walking wounded, it looks like. Yeah, it's not bugging me as much today. The pain seems to have subsided a bit, but I was taping my stick. I had a hockey game on Saturday night. Tape ripped off, and I got, like, some carbon fiber or some fiberglass, like, slivers in there. It's probably not good, but I just want you to know that I played through it, and I scored the game-losing goal. Is that, so, how be- is that like, how you become a superhero? Like, that was your getting bit by a spider? Radio well, I spider? mean, you know, a lot of guys, they get injured, and, you know, they, they'll, they'll sit one out. Look at, look, I mean, Kawhi's not even injured, and he's sitting out every game. 
Me, on the other hand, I mean, I, I can take a bunch of slivers to the hand. I'll go score a goal for you. I'm, I, I'll take you through a brick wall. I'll put you on my back, and I'll take you through a brick wall. That's where I'm at in life. Mind you, the team we were playing was full of 50- and 60-year-olds, too. So, And you won or lost? We lost. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said the game losing goal. It was a mean nothing, but it still oh, okay. Yeah. And you know what? While we're at it, though, on a more serious note— just so we can jot through a few of these. Bruins, Jakeem Nordstrom, day-to-day with allergies. Don't quite know what that's about. Bee stings. Yeah, right? Red Wings, Philippe Zadina, day-to-day with an LBI. Caps goalie, Ilya Samsonov, day-to-day with a UBI. Leafs goalie, Freddie Anderson, day-to-day with a neck injury. And I assume he hurt that looking behind Michael Hutchinson. Three goals on 13 shots Monday night. A pretty ugly one. And, of course, you were affected a little more than I was. I definitely had money on the Leafs to win a regulation. Up 3-1 in the third. And Anderson leaves for a suspected concussion. And Hutchinson got lit up. It was not good. So uh, that that is the Berard Physiotherapy Injury Report. We are out of time, Sully. This has been a jam-packed episode. This one flew by. Had a blast. Again, if uh, I, I'm going to try and stop in on Sunday at Metrotown Mall because it is a great event from our sponsor, Pastime Sports and Games. Sunday, February 9th, Marcus Naslin doing an autograph event. Uh, event. It starts at 11 a.m. Got to get some sweet swag signed by the great one himself, Marcus Naslin. Looking forward to that event. And again, thanks to all our sponsors, Yuck Yucks Vancouver, Broad Physiotherapy, Pastime Sports and Games, and our newest sponsor, Whistler Bungie. Hitting that up a bunch in the summer, I guarantee it. We are off next week. In fact, the next couple of weeks because there's some Canuck games to take place. Our next episode, February 26th at 7 p.m. on Sportsnet 650. You can catch us at iTunes and Spotify or sportsnet.ca slash 650 slash Radio. You can find all our old episodes on there as well. So for Adam Forsythe and Ryan Sullivan, thanks a lot, Sully. It's been a blast. We'll see you in a few weeks. See you.